Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Do you know the three most critical business systems you need to succeed as a small firm architect? Well, I'm presenting a free special session webinar on September 7th, 2016 at 6 p.m. Eastern Time where I will share my knowledge on those three systems. To learn more and to register for free, visit entrearchitect.com slash free webinar. This is the best of Entree Architect podcast. Welcome back to the Entree Architect podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to August 2016. This month at Entree Architect, we are focusing on the category of personal development. And in honor of developing myself personally, I'm spending this month away from the podcast and working on me. (laughs) And you know me. I'll probably also be working behind the scenes, taking things here at Entree Architect to the next level for you. So this month, I encourage you to take this month to be self-centered, centered on yourself. Dedicate some time to building a better you and enjoy the best of Entree Architect podcast. 
This episode of the Entree Architect podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com architect. Who of you listening today on the Entree Architect podcast, who would not want a big pile of money? Who would not want a big pile of cash sitting in your bank account at the end of the month when everything's done, when all of your, your employees are paid, all of your expenses are set up, and there's money left over. There's a big pile of cash every month left over in your bank account. Who wouldn't want that? Well, that big pile of cash, that's, that's called profit. And, and very often when we hear the word profit, you know, we sort of get all tingly and we get nervous and, you know, that's, that's profit, you know, is profit good or is profit bad? I, I suggest that profit is good because profit allows us to do the things we love to do, to do the, 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 uh, the art that we were, we were born to do as architects. When we became architects, we didn't become architects to make money, but we, we became architects to change the world. We became architects because we were artists and we wanted to make a difference. And it's the profit in our businesses that allow us to do that. So the, the lesson I want you to take away today while we're listening to this podcast is this rule. Profit, then art. Focus on the profit first. Build a strong, healthy, thriving business. And then you could focus on your art. And you could focus a lot more on your art. You can be more of an artist if the business is running and the business is thriving and it's profitable. So profit, then art. So I, today I want, to, I want to share the 12 steps to business success. This, is, this was inspired by when I first relaunched the, po- the, the podcast or launched the podcast, when I relaunched entrearchitect.com at the same time that I launched the podcast here uh, that you're listening to. It was back on December 12th of 2012. It was December 12th, 2012. That's 12, 12, 12. I called it my 12, 12, 12 project. And it was the launch of this podcast. And uh, to the, the, one of the first things I did as I relaunched this podcast is I, and I, I put together a series, a blog series of articles, 12 steps, 12 weeks. It ended up being 15 weeks because one of them ended up being a three-part series. But 12 steps to be successful in business. It's the 12 essentials. It's the 12 fundamentals of business. It's not an option. These are 12 things that every small business, whether you are running a hot dog stand or uh, running a bank or a small firm architecture firm, these are 12 things that we need to focus on. These are 12 things that we need to do in order to be successful. And the first one, the first step is personal productivity. We need to know uh, how to be more productive because if we're not productive, if we're not learning how to do things efficiently and effectively, we can't do anything else. We're small firm architects. We have so many hats on. We are doing everything, right? There's, there's, there's nothing that we are not doing. So if we need to focus on the things that matter most, we need to be more productive. Um, and I share a very simple process of being more productive. Um, a more thorough process, if you wanted it, uh, is to go to uh, getfocusedcourse.com. I share a course with you. 17 videos it's actually 16 videos and a bonus uh, where i show you exactly how i do my productivity system uh and that in that bonus uh bonus video but if you go to 
um, getfocusedcourse.com. You can purchase a course, and I tell you everything that, that I know, everything that I've ever learned about uh, personal productivity in that course. But in the presentation here, I'm going to give you a really simple uh, process. So, so the first step is to process everything. Write it all down. Get it all out of your head because when it's in your head, it's stressing you out. It is, it is, you're going over it and over it and over it again. And the things that, that don't matter are in there as much as, uh, and are as, as top priority as the things that do matter. And so the first step in being more productive is to get it all out of your head. Get it processed. Write it down on a piece of paper. Uh, put it in an in a Evernote uh, notebook. And get it out. Get it out of your head and process everything. And and Stephen Covey, the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey, Dr. Stephen Covey, uh, introduces in that book the productivity matrix. And, he's, and, he, and he puts together a rectangle and divides it into four quadrants. And one quadrant is uh, urgent and important. So the things that are urgent and important. So the things that can't wait and they are important are in quadrant one. So you can write this down, write down a rectangle, uh, divide it into four rectangles. The upper left rectangle is urgent and important. The upper right rectangle is not urgent and important. So these are the things that, this is really where you want to live your life. You want to live your life, this is the planning stuff. This is the stuff, this is building systems in your business. These are the things that aren't urgent, they can wait forever, but they're important. If you don't have them, you're not going to be successful. So. The second quadrant is not urgent and important. The third quadrant, so that's the lower left quadrant, is not important and urgent. So these are things like emails from your from your your contractor for a request for information on something that's probably already in the drawings, right? It's it's urgent, very urgent to him because he thinks it's in, it's very important to him, um, but it's not important to you because you've already done that. Um, you can get to them. You can do those things. You can get back and, and give them the information and let them know where it is. But it's not urgent to you. So urgent and not important. Uh, the final quadrant in the lower right corner is not urgent and not important. So this is like most social media, right? When we're surfing the net, uh, doing things that really don't add any value to our lives. Watching television. Most television is not urgent and not important. It, you, you, your life would probably uh, improve if you stopped watching much of the the television shows on television so so that's what you do so you process everything and you use this tool and you take the list that you've created and you use this uh quadrant this productivity matrix to identify the most important things the things that are urgent and important and the things that are not urgent and important and and then the other things you'll know are not necessary not important so that's how you process everything so that's the first step in productivity is to, is to process everything, get it out of your head. Then the second step is to decide what to do and what not to do, which is, is equally maybe even more important uh, than what to do is what not to do. What are you not going to do? Because some of this stuff is just in your head. It's, it's things you're not going to do that's just junk. And then there's some stuff that's in there that you're not going to do that, it, that might be important, but it's not going to happen now, right? It's not going to happen this week. So you need to identify the things that you are going to do this week. What are you going to do? Do you need step two is decide what to do, uh, and it's not um, things you hope to do, and it's not things you want to do. It's things you're going to do. It's the things that you're going to get done, and so that's what you need to decide. Okay, and 
And step three is to schedule it. Sket, schedule the things that will get done. Um, and put it on a calendar. Put it on a master calendar. You've heard me talk about this before if you listen to the podcast. Um, schedule everything and get it on a calendar. Use a master calendar where you have everything in your life on one calendar. Your business calendar and your personal calendar and your family calendar is all on the same calendar. Because if it's important enough to do it, if it's important enough to, to be the things that you're going to do this week, which may include going to that baseball game for your son or daughter. It may include uh, going to that, um, to that meeting for your, for your child's school. Uh, it may, may mean that you're, you're going to go take your spouse out to lunch. Those are things that are important and need to be scheduled. So those are the things that need to be scheduled in and around and among the things that are on that calendar that may be business items. So schedule things that will get done and make sure you have enough time and you've created enough buffer in between them to actually get them done because you are going to commit to getting those things done. So don't overcommit. That's a very important rule. Don't overcommit. Um, if you have too much to do, then you need to do less. Decide what you're not going to do. So go back to step two and decide what you're not going to do. Or delegate. Learn to delegate. Find someone else to give some of those things to do because whatever you're putting on your calendar, you are committing to do it. And step four is repeat this process. Go back to process everything once a week. Um, I do it every Monday morning. I calendar it, schedule it. I don't put uh, meetings in my schedule on Monday mornings. I am going to do this process every Monday. And so that is what I do on, on, uh, on Monday mornings. So process everything, decide what to do and what not to do, schedule the things that uh, will get done, and then repeat every, every week over and over again. So that's a basic, very basic personal productivity process. If you want to get deeper, and I'll share everything I know about it, uh, getfocusedcourse.com. The next step is planning. Because if, if you, you don't have a plan, uh, you're not going to get to where you want to go, right? If you don't have a map, you, you can maybe start off in the right direction, but you most likely are going to end up in the wrong place. So, so the next step in success is planning. And start with dreams. We're all dreamers. We're architects. We certainly did not become architects because we were not dreamers. We love to dream. So write that dream down. What is that big dream? What is that big idea that we have? Um, if it was a perfect world, if you had all the money with no limits, what would you be doing? today in your life what is that big dream and don't be shy write it down it's fun it's a good time i call it a vision narrative write your vision narrative what would your life be like if there were no limits um because if that is the perfect world if that is what you want to accomplish um that's the first step is to kind of get that down and then build a plan that gets you close to that. So do that. And then the, then once you have that written, then bring it down to a little bit more reality, a little bit more succinct, and create a vision. Your vision is a statement of your big idea. What is your big idea? What is that one thing that you want to accomplish in your life? What's your vision? Then the next step is mission. And I've often confused these through the years of what mission and vision was. I never really understood that, but now I understand. Your vision is your big idea. Your mission is your why. Why is it important that you, you meet that vision? Why are you going after that big idea? Why? 
That's your mission. So write down a, a couple of sentences that describe why you are doing what you're doing. Why are you going toward this vision? And then set some goals. Set goals in all aspects of your life. Set your goals in your in your business life and set your goals in your personal life and your relationships with your family. Set uh, 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 maybe uh, fitness goals and spiritual goals and every kind of goal, anything that you want to accomplish, set a goal for it. And then the, the next and final step in, in a simple business plan, simple life plan, I actually recommend that you do a life plan, is to set the action. And you don't need to create a whole big long action plan. Just what's the next best thing you could be doing or you should be doing to get toward that one goal that you're talking about. So set an action. What is the next best action to, to move forward toward each of the goals that you've set? What is the next, next best action? And then once you've accomplished that action, go set what is the next best action. And so that's how you get to where you wanna go. So you set your goals, set dates and deadlines. Goals have deadlines. They have to be specific. They can't be general, they have to be specific. I am going to accomplish X by X or Y date. X by Y date. This is what I'm going to do very specifically by this date. And then what am I going to do? The action, what is the action for that goal to get closer to that, uh, uh, to that action and date? So dreams, visions, missions, goals, and what's the next best action for each of those? The next step, the third step in, um, in 12 steps of business success in architecture is marketing. And what is marketing? Marketing is simple. Everything I'm going to describe here today is, is stripped down to its basics, its most simple. At marketing, at its most simple uh, definition, it's telling your story. It's your story. Your clients come to you with a story already in their head. That story may have been put there by their spouse. They may have been put there by their friends. It may have been put there by their, their, um, their experience growing up of what an architect is and what we provide. They come to you with that story in your mind. That story may have been put there by HGTV. Oh, what a terrible thing that might be. But most likely, that's where they're getting their story and what we do and how we do it. So marketing is us telling our story. You need to define what your story is. What is... Who, first of all, who are you talking to? Who is your target market? And then tell a story to that target market. What do you want that person that you want to hire you uh, to know about you and what you do and why you're important and why you're different than everybody else? That's your story. And that story in the mind of your client is your brand. We've, we hear brand all the time. Again, complicated word. What is brand? Very simply, a brand is your story in the mind of your client. Tell your story, put your story in the mind of your client, and that's branding. And so you can, once you have that story, you can put that in your website and you can put that on your marketing materials. You can tell that story to your employees so they can repeat that story. You can tell that employee or that story to your clients so they can share that story when they're telling their friends about the amazing job you're doing. They can tell that very specific story about what makes you different. So marketing is telling your story. The next step is sales. Sales is something that that uh, I was missing. I've talked about this before as well. That while, while we were looking for the answer to be more successful at Five Cat Studio, the thing that was missing that I discovered was a sales system. 
some way to sell um, our services that everybody knew who we were. We were great at marketing. We were great at, at being architects. We designed wonderful buildings, but we, we, we had a tough time uh, getting the sale. And when times are good, you can sit around and wait for the phone to ring. Uh, but you, you will be much more successful if you have a sales system. And so my sales system is simple. It's, it's six steps. Um, the first step is to qualify the client. Again, understand who your target market is. Uh, make sure that in your conversations, those initial conversations, whether it be te by telephone or email or some sort of process that you've created to qualify the client, that that client is the right client, that you're not going to waste their time and they're not going to waste your time. Um, so number one is to qualify that client. The st second step is to establish rapport with that client. Establish rapport with that uh, potential client. Find um, uh, commonalities. Uh, people want to work with people they know, like, and trust, right? So that's building rapport, establishing rapports, finding those commonalities, finding those things that you could start building a relationship on because that way they can then start knowing you. They can start liking you. Um, and then they can start trusting you because you've built this rapport. And the next step, step the third step in sales system is to confirm credibility. So this is where they start trusting you. You listen to what they want to accomplish. You reflect that message back to them in your words, confirming that you've heard them, and then give away some of your ideas. Give away some of your knowledge. And by doing that, you will confirm your credibility. You will confirm that you know what you're doing. Um, the next step, once you've done all of those things, you've taken all of that information, you go back and you prepare a proposal, and you send the proposal. That's step four, send the proposal. We do that by email and then we follow up with a hard copy. And so the email gets there very quickly, um, uh, preferably before you've promised it. So you can over deliver and under promise. Then follow up with a hard copy. And that hard copy arrives a couple of days late and reminds that potential client who you are and what you do. Uh, gives them something physical to hold. Um, it's, it's a great way to sort of remind them in this automatic system of who you are and what you do. And the, the fifth step is the most important, and this is the thing that we were missing, is the follow-up. We need to follow up. We send the proposal, and we used to sit around and wait for the, the phone to ring. Now we schedule it a week after we send the proposal, we follow up. And then we ask the questions on w what can we do to... Uh, to proceed with you is there any questions that you have for us and and we answer whatever questions we need to answer um, and then the sixth step is to follow up again and follow up again and again and again and again and again until they say that we've hired somebody else or we want to go forward with you or stop bothering me <laughs> you don't want that you don't want to be annoying but you want to continue to follow up because it, it typically takes uh, multiple times, maybe six or seven times, f some touch points to for for a for a client to finally make a decision. This process is overwhelming to a client, and by following up, you can be there to help them through this process, give them the inf information they need, and to be the one that uh, that wants their project. And tell them that. Tell them that you want to work with them. That you want to work with them that you want to proceed what can we do to proceed with your project don't be afraid to say that 
it can it it will help you get that job and so that's the sales system that's my sales system there's lots of different ways of doing it this is the way i do it uh, qualify the client establish rapport confirm credibility send the proposal then follow up and then follow up again let's take a quick break here to say thank you to fresh books for their support as a platform sponsor of Entree Architect, because as a platform sponsor, FreshBooks has provided funding and support for our overall mission here at Entree Architect. They recognize the need for small firms like us to build better businesses in order to be better architects. FreshBooks is the easy to use accounting software designed to help us small firm owners get organized, save time, and get paid faster. It takes care of invoicing, expense tracking, estimating, reporting, and it all happens out on the cloud so you have access to your information from anywhere that you have access to the internet. And I use FreshBooks for my own small firm, FiveCat Studio, and my favorite feature of the FreshBooks software is sending my invoices by email and allowing my clients to pay by credit card. When FreshBooks says that you'll get paid faster, they're not kidding. With the convenience of clicking a button and paying by credit card, many of my clients pay now as soon as they receive their invoice. And for those clients who don't pay right away, FreshBooks automatically sends them a reminder of the balance due at an interval that I set. So once I send an invoice, I can go back to being an architect and I don't need to chase down any of my clients. And Tim Lee of FreshBooks will show you how easy it is to send invoices by email on our exclusive video series, Tim and I produced exclusively for the Entree Architect community. Check out this free video series at entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo. There's no catch. There's no email. It's completely free. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo and you will get the videos right away. There's three of them. Shows you everything you need to know about getting started. And then go to freshbooks.com slash architect, freshbooks.com slash architect and sign up for your free 30-day trial and give it a try. It's free. I suggest you just send one invoice and see what happens. That's how I got started. Just send one invoice to one client and see how it works. And when I did that and I got paid much faster than usual, I signed up for the rest of it and I set up my whole my whole account at FreshBooks. FreshBooks.com slash architect for your free 30-day trial. And be sure to enter Entree Architect into how did you hear about us section. Whether you're a a firm of one or 100, it's successful leadership that will will get you to where you want to go. And so I'm going to give you five rules for successful leadership. Number one is live your mission. Live your mission in everything you do, in your actions and your words. So you've established your mission. You've established your why up in in the planning section. Um, Live it. Be a model of your mission and your the people who follow you, your employees, your contractors, whomever you are leading uh, to get your project done, um, they're going to see that. And then they're going to model that mission. They're going to see that because you live your mission and your actions and words. Uh, number two is to communicate clearly and be consistent. Say what you mean and do what you say. Very, very important. Number three is be confident, courageous, and determined. People who are, are leaders are confident, courageous, and determined. People who follow you want to be led by people who know what they're doing, that they are courageous, and they are determined they are going to succeed no matter what. So be confident, courageous, and determined. Number four in the five successful uh, rules for successful leadership, say thank you. Thank you a lot. Say thank you. Because 
Your success is not just you. Your success, without a doubt, even if you are a sole pr practitioner, your success is based on other people doing what they need to do. So say thank you a lot. Show your appreciation. Acknowledge the people who are working for you and working with you uh, by saying thank you a lot. Say it every day. And number five, be nice. Nice guys get the job done. Nice guys attract other nice people. People who lead by manipulation and anger and 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 um, and uh, uh, people who are not nice, you know them, you know who they are. They don't last very long. People don't want to work with them. People don't want to be with them. They don't hire them. Um, so number five is be nice. The next step, if you've done all of these other things that I've talked about so far, eventually you're going to need to develop a team. Eventually you're going to have to build a team. Um, you may want to hire somebody. So the, the next step is I'm going to share 12 hard earned lessons for hiring the right staff. This is what I've learned over the years is the first step in this is, is to wait. Don't hire anybody just yet. Wait until it's the right time. You need to make sure that you have enough money that to, to pay for this person. Um, Cash flow is the most important thing in business. You have to have enough money to do all the things that you want to do. And so I recommend that you have six to eight months worth of savings for all of your expenses, including the amount of money that you're going to pay this new person. Um, and until that point, wait. So number two is plan. Make sure you understand who you're going to hire. Create a, a, a uh, uh, a, a list of the roles in your uh, in your firm that that uh, that will that you need to run this this firm. All of the different positions, plan them out, and understand who you're going to hire and when. And so you'll understand who the next person is that you're going to hire. So make sure you plan before you pull the trigger. Create a system. So once you understand who you're going to hire and what position you're going to hire for, create a system for that position. So when they get there, they can open up the book and say, Oh, this is how we do it. And you don't need to spend uh, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks teaching somebody the way you do it, getting the information out of your head into their head, create a system, and then hire the person for that position. Choose wisely. Make sure that you are hiring the right person. As, as tough as it is to get through the process of hiring the right person, firing them is so much worse. If you've ever been through this process of firing someone, it is maybe the worst thing about being a leader and being in business. So choose the people you hire very wisely. And number five is take your time. That goes hand in hand with choose wisely. Take your time. Don't rush into it. Part of planning as well. Understand who you're going to need and when you're going to need them. Don't wait until there's a crisis and you need somebody tomorrow. So take your time. Interview them, do a short list, invite them back, spend a day with them and, and show them your projects and take them out to lunch and get to know them as people. You don't want to make the wrong decision. It's very expensive to hire the wrong person. Number six in the 12 hard-earned lessons for hiring the right staff, number six is don't overpay. Pay as little as possible for the person that you need to hire. Give yourself an opportunity to give them a raise later on as, as they come in. 
if you overpay somebody and you've hired them and now they're making too much money, there's no way, no easy way for sure, to, to go backward, to, to cut their pay. So don't overpay. Number seven, offer non-salary compensation. These are things like flexible time and freedom to do what they want when they want, to get the work done on their time. Um, especially the new generation coming into architecture, they expect this and they value this more than money. So um, non-salary compensation, flexibility and freedom to, to work when they want. Um, number eight, considering hiring independent contractors. You may not need an employee right away. Uh, by hiring independent contractors, you can save some money. You can have reduced hours. You can save money on benefits. So consider hiring independent contractors. Number nine, this is very, very important. Listen, listen up here. If you're not listening, listen now. Keep the IRS happy. Make sure that you are paying your taxes. Make sure that all the withholdings are set up. Talk to your accountant before you hire somebody. Make sure that all the paperwork is in order and keep the IRS happy and you will be happy. Number 10, do a background check. Do a simple Google search for their name. Very easy. You'll find all kinds of very interesting things when you do a Google search for somebody. Check their social media accounts. It's amazing what you'll find out when you check somebody's Facebook account about who they really are. Um, you can do a background check. You can do a, a, um, a criminal, criminal background check. You can do a, um, a credit check. So number 10, do a background check. Make sure you understand who these people are. You can get references and talk to some of their friends and family. Um, I'm not sure how valuable that is because typically references are going to give a good reference. Number 11, ask your friends and networks for people. They know you well. They know your story. You've established your story up in marketing. Ask them. Ask them for who you who would fit this role very well. Anybody you know who might might fit this. And you may save some time and you might find the right people. And number 12, the last step you know, or the last lesson in uh, hiring the right staff is hire nice people. The people in your, in your firm, the people who work for you, establish your culture. They establish your culture. And hiring nice people creates a good, positive, strong, healthy culture. If you hire somebody who's really, really talented, but they're not a nice person, which you've learned when you've taken time to, to learn who they are, they, they corrupt your culture. So number 12 is hire nice people. And those are the 12 hard-earned lessons for hiring the right staff. Number one is wait. Two is plan. Three is create a system. Number four is choose wisely. Number five is take your time. Number six is don't overpay. Number seven is offer non-salary compensation. Number eight is consider hiring independent contractors. Number nine is to keep the IRS happy. Number 10 is do a background check. Number 11 is ask friends and networks. And number 12 is hire nice people. You're going to see that in a, very, in a theme in, in everything I talk about is hiring nice people. The lesson that my mom taught me a long time ago is to be nice. And it's worked for me. So I keep recommending it to you. The next step is financial management. Um, I'm going to, rather than go through this profit plan, I'm going to send you to a link. I'm going to send you to entrearchitect.com slash profit plan, and that will send you to a three-part uh, three article from that original 12 steps uh, blog series that will 
teach you all about developing a profit plan. So entrearchitect.com slash profit plan, and you'll learn all about de developing a profit plan. Profit is no doubt probably the most important step in the 12 steps. So check that out, entrearchitect.com slash profit plan. It gets pretty deep and involved, and so we don't really have the time here on a podcast uh, to get too deep into it when I'm talking about all these other things. Um, we will talk about profit in the future on the podcast all by itself. So stay focused on that. Number, uh, the next one is uh, business structures. You just need to know what type of business structure you should do, you should have, and why. Uh, there's five in most states, and you want to check your state for what's available and why you might pick one. But there are sole proprietorships. There are partnerships and corporations. There's S-Corps, and there's limited liability companies. Those are the typical five business structures. Uh, five Cat Studio is a brand name. Our corporate entity is McCarthy LePage Architects PC. We, a, we are a New York-based professional corporation, and we are established as an S-Corp. An S-Corp allows you to pass through all of your earnings as a corporation to your personal tax return. Corporations uh, have shareholders, and corporations are a, an entity separate from those shareholders, and so uh, the taxes are set up such that the corporation is taxed as one entity, and then the shareholders are taxed as a separate entity. And the S-Corp allows you to pass through your earnings through the corporation, so the corporation is not paying taxes, um, but the, the shareholders are. And so the S-Corp allows you to do that. And so those are business structures. You can um, look into seeing what's most uh, beneficial to you and your firm. The next step is legal agreements. Legal agreements, the six things that should be in every legal agreement, you should not be working without a legal agreement. So even if you're using a letter uh, and not using an AIA document or, or the hybrid proposal, uh, which you can find at uh, entrearchitect.com slash hybrid, that is our uh, proposal and contract that we use at Five Cat Studio. You can purchase that at entrearchitect.com slash hybrid. Um, the things that are minimally required in a legal agreement are the owner requirements. The owner requirements are things like the budget. They are the schedule. The owner decides those things. The architect does not. You should uh, have that in the legal agreement and the owner should establish those things, the budget and the schedule. The scope of work, what, ex what specifically are you going to do? And what even more important, what are you, what are you not going to do? Uh, what are additional services, right? What are the additional services that you, you may provide? And the third part of the legal agreement is compensation. How are you going to get paid? How much are you going to get paid? When are you going to get paid? That needs to be all spelled out in your legal agreement, um, including how much you're going to get paid for additional services. If in fact, someone wants you to work uh, additionally so that should be in your compensation section of your agreement. The next one is ownership of instruments of service. Your drawings, your tools are yours. They are yours forever. Uh, copyright law establishes that. And you ha should have in your legal agreement uh, clarification of such that the ownership of those instruments of service are yours. And that if you want to transfer that ownership, that needs to be done in writing um, we provide a service. We don't provide products as architects. 
typically in basic architectural services we're providing a service and the drawings are an instrument of that service they're there to help that that service uh, proceed um, and so the ownership of instruments of service the next one is conflict resolution what happens if things go wrong and somebody doesn't want to proceed anymore and and they want to resolve a conflict uh, you need to establish that in your agreement. Uh, will you go to a civil court to resolve that conflict? Will you go to mediation? Will you go to arbitration? Very, very important to have that because if it's not in your agreement, guess who decides that? Whoever's suing you decides that. Um, so make sure that you have the proper conflict resolution that you prefer in your agreement. The final one is termination. What if there is a change of priorities in the, in the client? What if the client decides they are not going to pay you and there needs to be a termination of this agreement? There should be a process of termination spelled out in each of your legal agreements. And so those are the six very basics, the minimal of what needs to be in a legal agreement. There's a lot more. Check out any AIA document and that'll show you that. The next step is customer service. Most architects think they're in the design business. You are in fact in the client happiness business. Everything you do, including the design that you're creating, should be focused on making your client happy. Customer service, successful customer service, is, is the result of managing expectations of your client. The, the things that are coming down the road that happen on every job that you know is going to happen, create a system to manage the process of expectations. If the client knows what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and, and how it's going to happen and how much it's going to cost to happen, at the end, they are going to be very happy clients and they are going to recommend you to your next happy client. And then they are going to have to uh, refer you to their next happy client. So you are in the client happiness business. Remember that customer service, you're in the client happiness business. The next step in success is insurance. You need to have a professional liability insurance policy. There are many architects out there, especially small firm ar architects, sole proprietors who don't have insurance policies. And their, their answer to that is that if I have insurance, somebody's going to sue me. Well, guess what? If somebody's upset, they're going to sue you with or without insurance. And the insurance is going to protect you and your business and your family. Because you, as an architect, you as a licensed registered architect are personally liable for the errors and omissions of the projects you create check your state law that is a fact and if you don't have insurance they can come after you even if you're incorporated it doesn't matter it doesn't cover you as a professional professional liability is a guardrail that allows you to do the things you do it allows you to go beyond the very basics of trying to establish an architecture firm it allows you to be more confident, courageous. It's a guardrail. It protects you from your liability, from potential lawsuit, but it gives you the confidence and courage to proceed as a business person. So, insurance. And the final step, the final step in the 12 steps to business success in architecture is project management. The project is what we do, right? The project is the service we provide. So here are 10 rules better project management. Number one, create systems for success. Back to systems. 
you have a system for everything you do, the process will go smoother and you will have more time to do the things you like to do. Number one is create systems for success. Number two is know what they want and what they don't want. Understand what your client wants as well as what they don't want and you will be able to manage the process much better. Listen carefully. Very often a contractor will tell you that something's going wrong. Very often a client will give you the information that you need to be successful. So listen carefully. Number four is estimate often throughout the entire process. Make sure that the, the, the budget is being managed, that the client understands as their expectations on money managed. The quickest way to a, to a unhappy client is a botched budget. Estimate often and get paid for it. Very in, in our um, process, we do a couple of estimates as part of our service, and then we have an option, an additional service to provide more thorough, detailed estimates, or they can hire somebody else. That's an opportunity for an additional service is, is estimating. Number five is don't give your services away. Don't give your services away. It's a simple rule for project management. Additional services are, in fact, additional. If you have it in your agreement, if you've created systems, when it, the additional service process comes down the road, you can have a form ready and say, Mr. and Mrs. Client, this is an additional service. Please sign on the dotted line and we'll get started right away. And that form explains how the additional service works and how you get compensated for it. Don't give your services away. It is why we are failing as a profession. It is why we are failing as a profession because we are giving our services away. Charge what you need to charge at a level of fee that you need to charge and don't give your services away. Number six, for 10 rules for better project management, manage expectations. I've said that over and over and over again. Manage expectations. Number seven, build rapport with a contractor. The quickest way to build rapport with a contractor is to give them respect. They are experienced, qualified people who know what they're doing. Tell them that. When you tell a contractor that you respect them and that you are going to learn from them, that, that, that we're going to work as a team and when I don't know something, I'm going to ask you and you're going to tell me. You're going to instantly gain respect and build rapport with that contractor. And when there's a crisis and there's a problem in the project and that happens on every job, you know that. It's part of the process. Your relationship with that contractor is going to make that crisis go away. You will resolve that issue before the client even knows it happened because you have a rapport with that contractor. Number seven is build rapport with that contractor. Number eight, always provide construction administration. You can't process, you can't manage your project without managing the construction administration. And not only that, put away the liability part. There is so much liability that you can manage um, when you're providing construction administration. If nothing else, it is your best opportunity for marketing for the next project. You can meet with that client every week and get full credit for the project that you've designed. If you have designed this project and you don't do construction administration, who, guess who is getting the credit for that amazing space that you've designed? The contractor is getting that credit. You can get that credit every week by having construction administration. Don't make it an option and the client won't make it an option. If you make it an option, the client will opt out. 
At Five Cat Studio, if a client doesn't want to do construction and administration, we won't work with them. Always provide construction administration. Number nine is courage. Have the courage to act. Very often, those problems that, are, that, are, that occur in projects that become crises are because we buried our head. We saw them coming, and we hope they'd go away. Have the courage to act, to resolve those issues quickly. And if you made a mistake, you step up and you take the blame for that mistake. You have insurance. Have the courage to act. When you do that, when you step up and take the blame for something that you, you honestly did, don't take blame for something that you didn't do, but if it was your error, and you step up and say, yep, that's mine, you instantly gain respect from the contractor and the client. And that will, will, will benefit you throughout the rest of the project and on to other projects as that client starts referring you to other people and explains to them what happened. Number nine is have courage to act. Number 10, follow up with your clients and bring a gift. Follow up with clients and bring a gift. Let them, when that project is all finished and done and you're walking through that project with a client and they're showing you the amazing space that you designed, just sit back and enjoy it. Follow up with clients and bring a gift. Bring a thoughtful gift that that is preferably branded. So it's a thoughtful gift that they can show to other people. And when they show it to other people, they say, oh, that came from your architect. That's amazing. I love that gift. So bring a gift. And I'm going to give you a bonus rule for better project management is photograph your work. Not only will that photography be great for your marketing, but it shows the client that you are proud of their project and it makes them feel better about what you've done. So hire a professional photographer and shoot your best work. Number 11 is photographer, uh, uh, photograph your work. So 10 rules for better project management and that is the final step to create systems for success. Know what they want and what they don't want. Number three is listen carefully. Number four is estimate often. Number five is don't give your services away. Number six is manage expectations. Number seven is build rapport with your contractor. Number eight, always provide construction administration. Always provide construction administration. Number nine is have the courage to act. Number 10 is to follow up with your clients and bring a gift. Number 11, the bonus, photograph your work. So that's it. That's the 12 steps to business success, personal productivity, planning, marketing, sales, leadership, teams, financial management, business structures, legal agreements, customer service, insurance, and project management. These are the essentials. These are not options. You can't pick one out and say, oh, I'm going to still be successful. You need to be doing all of these. Each one, all 12, need to be done. And if you do, and you've taken the time to learn what needs to be learned to, to accomplish these 12 steps, you will be successful. There's no magic bullet. There is no special formula that you can just plug in and it will work. You need to work hard and you need to develop these 12 steps and you will be successful. Hey, thanks for listening to this final best of Entree Architect podcast episode. I'll be back next week with a brand new podcast episode where I will be chatting with Evan Troxel of ArcaSpeak podcast. He's going to be hanging out with me. You guys know ArcaSpeak podcast. And Evan also has the getmethod.com website where he trains uh, for all things digital. He's also brewing up a new project 
that I want to talk to him about and I want to share with you. So catch us next week here at the podcast. Until then, remember to register for our free live special session webinar, The Three Critical Business Systems You Need to Succeed as a Small Firm Architect. Do you know what they are? I'll give you a hint. It's about finding the work you want, getting paid the fees you deserve, and then getting the work done so you can focus on what matters most. For more information about this webinar and to register for free, visit entrearchitects.com slash free webinar. Can't get easier than that, but don't wait because seats are limited. entrearchitect.com slash free webinar. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect and I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thank you for listening and I will see you next week here at the Entree Architect Podcast. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. 
there is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.